Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Shaked Berenson. He is a producer and executive producer of over 40 films and two television series, including the animation franchise Space Dogs, which generated over $100 million in worldwide box office sales. In the past 15 years, Shaked has financed, marketed, and distributed over 200 films across all genres. He served as a board director for IFTA, the Independent Film and Television Alliance, since 2011, and he's been a PGA member since 2013 the Producers Guild of America. Currently, Shaked is the CEO of Entertainment Squad, a production and distribution outfit that serves several labels, including Mr. Puppy Presents, which produce family and animation content. Shaked, it's an honor to have you here today. Likewise. Thank you so much, Matt. That was a very, uh, very official introduction. <laughs> I do my best. Yeah. So, um, so from that standpoint, you've got a new movie that's out called Dolphin Island. Tell us a little bit about the film and how you decided to write that and and kind of the background behind it. Thank you. Very excited about Dolphin Island coming out uh, to audience. Uh, It's been um, a fairly quick project. It started in 2019, in the end of the year, uh, right after Hurricane Durian. Uh, I acted as a distributor in another movie that was shot in the Bahamas and were contacting the local people in the Grand Bahama Island because it was very devastated by the hurricane. And we talked to him about what we can do. Uh, we spoke with the Ministry of Tourism, which kind of runs everything over there because they're very tourism-based. They really didn't want to have any donations or anything like that. They said, the best thing you can do is just come back here, make a movie, you know, give jobs to people, uh, teach people a craft. Um, so uh, me and Mike Disa, who uh, directed the film, and I worked with him on a project like Space Dogs, we went down there, uh, looked around, and then basically wrote a script for what uh, we knew we can do over there. Um, and by January, we were down in Freeport, Grand Bahamas, shooting the movie. Uh, we tried to use as many local as possible for both cast and crew. It's a bit difficult because they don't have the equipment and the knowledge, but we brought great people with us to uh, teach them the craft and had a great time over there. And we actually wrapped and left in February I believe it was February 12th, our last day of shooting, and right before coronavirus. So I'm very glad we were able to shoot a movie right between October and, and, and February because, uh, again, all the cruise line basically stopped when uh, COVID started, uh, which is really the number one uh, source of income for the local population. So I'm very glad that we were able to bring uh, some business over there for 2020. Uh, very concerned about um, the situation for the rest of the year. but. Uh, we're hoping to go back to the island and shoot more movies. Well, I think that that's extremely impressive that that you guys felt compelled to, you know, help so much that you wanted to make a movie there and and try and draw people in, even when they couldn't necessarily travel there physically. You could bring them there virtually or, or you know through entertainment. Uh, but you know, typically when there's some sort of issue. Uh, you know, there's a hurricane or, or there's a storm, things of that nature. People, people give with, you know, either uh, time with cleanup or they give with donations, things of that nature. But you made a movie to not only help, but also, you know, continually help that process. What made you feel so strongly about, you know, making a movie that would draw attention to the area? Well, 
Um, I'm, I'm not a film student. I actually studied uh, business and economics at uh, UCLA. So I'm very aware of economic issues. And I know that when you donate, well, first of all, a lot of the money just gets lost in the way. Um, not from being people being bad, just because of the bureaucracy, the accounting and everything you need. Um, and also it's, it can help people in, in a very short term. But what I think, especially in countries like Tahiti or like the Bahamas, they need long-term infrastructure um, investment. So for us, if we buy equipment and we bring it over there and we leave it there, if we come over there and teach people craft so they can keep making more movies or creating more content on their own, the economic effect is much uh, long-lasting than um, just donating water or you know sending a generator. Um, so for us, it was uh, very much part of our goal. We are also hoping to put together a system and bring equipment and leave it over there so we can make two or three of those movies a year. Um, and uh, of course, because of COVID, we couldn't do that in 2020, but hopefully once it's open, we can continue doing that. And the second thing is to really show and highlight the culture and the people and the, the vistas of the Bahamas, because it's a beautiful place to go on vacation. And hopefully, uh, especially now during COVID, uh, when people are at home and they can't really travel, hopefully the movie provides a little bit of a stay, staycation to uh, uh, or, or a movie vacation or whatever you want to call it uh, to visit other places this summer that you cannot visit in person. And the next year, uh, maybe taking a cruise and, and going over there and seeing it in, in your own eyes. That's good stuff. And, you know, I will definitely let the listeners know that the scenery in the movie is fantastic and you know, the movie itself, great family film, watched it with my two daughters and they enjoyed it. And uh, so you you captured all that you were trying to capture with uh, with filming there and you definitely accomplished that mission. So from that standpoint, uh, one of the stars of the movie is, is Mitzi the dolphin. Uh, how hard was it to get a dolphin to cooperate for, for all of those scenes? I tell you, it's funny because... Um, there is uh, this old uh, rule in Hollywood that says don't work with animals and kids, right? But uh, I have to tell you, we had a great cast, but nobody was as on point and on time <laughs> like the dolphin. Because the dolphin, you know, they do what they do. And, and they, you know, they, they, you, you take out the fish, they jump and grab it, you know, and they'll do it every time in the same, same jump, same timing. Same spot. So the dolphin was actually really, really uh, a pleasure to work with and, and really easy. It's, it's the interaction between the two um, that was harder to do. And, and also, you hopefully cannot see it because of the smiles on people's faces. But in January, the water was really, really cold. Uh, so being in the water was not as, as fun as it seems on screen. But of course, having a dolphin with you helps. Um, the dolphins are actually open water dolphins. And I know a lot of the other movies... Um, are shot with um, dolphins that are in captivity in, in tanks. And um, we don't really support that and we didn't want to support it. But uh, the place we shot, uh, the dolphins are open water. Uh, there is a, a sanctuary that they feed them and they uh, treat them. And um, if they need any medical uh, attention, um, and of course, they learn not to do tricks because that's how you feed them. So we're kind of using that, using that for our advantage. You know, if you move the fish from left and right, they will go no. You know, if you move it up and down, they will go yes. So you can play with it and put it in the movie. And we try to put the dolphin as much as possible in the film. In the end of the day, the movie 
has a, a plot that it's surrounding the grandfather and his daughter and the grandparents uh, that come from New York. Um, and it is about the relationship between the people. And of course, um, not to spoil it too much, but Mitzi helps um, in the end to save the day. So, and Mitzi was also played by uh, two, two different dolphins. So you, you probably cannot see it, but uh, there were two dolphins. I think one of them was a boy and one of them was a girl. So you essentially broke both of those rules because you had a, a child actor and then you also had the the dolphin actor. So you had the, the children and the, the animals involved and uh, and it all went smooth. Yeah, it went smooth. It's, it's not the first time I'm doing that. We, I produced a film called Tales of Halloween. And funny enough, when, when we kind of got into it, uh, I guess all of us kind of forgot that making a Halloween movie means not only that you're dealing with a lot of kids because they're trick-or-treating, it's also that it's all, always nighttime, which is adding another complication on it because, you know, you can't, you don't want to keep kids all night long working. You, you probably want to wrap them by nine or 10, 10 o'clock. So uh, I guess in my career, I always get myself into these situations, but I like working with kids. I think that their performances are usually very authentic. I think that as we get older, we put uh, barriers and, and we put masks on ourselves, but kids, kids are kids. You ask the kids like, hey, we need you to play with a dolphin for an hour and we're just going to shoot and, and capture some of it. They're just playing with a dolphin. It's very authentic and very real. So how did you get involved with, with family films and what's the strong draw there? You, you've clearly made uh, a good number of those. And is that something where you just seem to have found your niche? Um, funny enough, I, I have I, I'm probably more, more known for um, other genres, but um, I made films on on various genres. Animation was always close to me. So I, I always liked animation uh, and I make a few of them in two TV series. Uh, Finding Nemo is one of my favorite movies, which is also involved uh, water. Um, and as a kid, I used to draw and, and when um, the first uh, GIFs came out, you know, there was a way to like make animated GIFs and they were very crude and they had 12 colors, but you know, we tried to play with it as kids. Now, of course, the technology is, is so different, but I think there is a lot of room for more family content. I think that during the years, it became very dominant by big corporations. If it's not Disney or Nickelodeon, um, most independent filmmakers didn't really make family films. And they focused more on um, if it's action or horror or um, dramas. Uh, I think there is a lot of reasons for it. Uh, Part of the foreign market, part of that people in my business they want to build a career and a lot of like awards it based on a lot of awards and critical review. And when you make a family movie with a dolphin, and it's not really to win an Oscar, it's more to make entertainment. So I think there is a niche there that not too many people go to and the ones they do, they're successful. So uh, I'm looking to make more family films, uh, family and fantasy films. Uh, I have a two and a half months old baby. So I want to make movies that I can sit and watch with him and uh, definitely working on more, working on um, right now on a horse movie. I made in the past a, a movie called Tiger's Tale with a baby tiger. So really like working with animals. Uh, my wife is a veterinarian. So, you know, we're very close to animals and um, making sure that when we do work with them, it's only with people that treat them well. And, and usually they're not actor animals. They're more just regular animals doing their thing as opposed to uh uh, being forced one way or another, um, which is not easy. But um, if you write the script the right way, you basically write it for the animals to do their thing. And then you don't need to work too hard to force them to do something that they don't do on their own. 
That's good. And, you know, I'll just tell you that as a father who likes to watch movies, for me, one of the biggest things that, that we struggle with, we try to do family movie night you know, once a week, if not once every couple of weeks. And the hardest thing for us to do is to find something that A, is, is kid friendly that we haven't seen and B, to find something that we can all agree upon that, that we would all like. And so I think there is just such a great need for you know, those family friendly films that are, you know, entertaining, but also, you know, well done. And, uh, you know, there's a good story behind them and they're entertaining, you know, trying to find all of that wrapped into one is, is harder and harder to do these days. I find I might just be looking in the wrong places, but, you know, we, we definitely appreciate good family you know, films that not only captivate us as the adults, but, you know, keep the, the children's attention and, and that we could all walk away, you know, watching the movie saying, oh, that was uplifting. That was inspiring. You know, that was something that, you know, leaves us feeling positive instead of anything else that you could get from other entertainment that's out there today. So I think it's really important. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I find it very, it's very challenging to make a movie that can work both for the kids and maybe the parents and the grandparents. Uh, a part of what we did with Dolphin Island, I mean, in the end of the day, it's a story of grandparents and teenagers. And a part of it, as we were developing the, the story and the script, it's like, well, how do we make a movie that appeals both to the grandparents sitting with their grandkids? And it's like, well, the first step is put the grandparents and the teens in the movie, right? Uh, but it's a, it's a very delicate balancing act to make enough plot and enough conflict which will engage the adults but also make it light and and um, just pure entertainment for the kids. Because if you have too much talking or, or if you have too much conflict, it's maybe not as kid-friendly. But if it's just kids playing around in animals, then the parents losing their attention really quickly. So it's a fine balancing act. And you make the movie three times. You make it when you write it. Then you make it again when you shoot it. Then you make it again when you're editing it. So it's very important in the editing process to show it to a lot of people and try to find that correct balance of having enough dolphin and silliness uh, for the kids, but also the seriousness and the drama for the adults. One of the tricks of the trade is, for example, our, our lawyer character, played by the wonderful Bob Bledsoe, Karnbuckle, he's the lawyer that, that is kind of evil, but he's also a little bit bumbling and uh, kind of silly. Um, he's obviously a character that that became his backstory. He was a lawyer in the States, but then he moved to the Bahamas because he really want more easy and laid back life. And you can see that, but the way he dressed and he's always not being taken seriously because of his beard and the way he's dressed. And then he keeps saying, I have a suit, I have a suit, you know, to kind of remind people that he's also a lawyer and, and the balance of how, mu how much putting that uh, kind of more buffoony characters in it that are more cartoonish to really keep the kids engaged and having something fun. And I think also for us adults, you know, if, if we watch, you know, when you watch a drama, we watch it for the drama's sake. But when we, watch, when we want to watch a full feminine movie with our kids, uh, we want to have something a little bit lighter. So um, I appreciate that, you know, hearing from you, we're hearing from audience that they're enjoying it with their kids. And that's our goal. And uh, that's our goal with our next movies. And we're always learning from each one to another. So we're very happy to hear from fans, uh, get ideas and get feedback about the film as well. Uh, that's really good. You know, obviously, in anything that you do, you want to continue to get better and you want to continue to evolve and you want to continue to, you know, bring content that, you know, your audience actually wants versus, you know, something that sounds good in here or in here, 
but doesn't sound good out there to the you know listeners or the viewers. It didn't really matter in, in the end. So uh, I think that's extremely important. So you're from Israel originally, and now you're living in Los Angeles. How has COVID, obviously, you know, you're at your home. I'm at my office here in Birmingham, Alabama. How have travel restrictions limited you geographically and your ability to, to work on new projects, you know, visit family, things of that nature? Um, funny enough, I, I'm actually from the States. I, I was born in Delaware. Okay. Uh, but I grew up in Israel and this is why I have okay. uh, this uh, funny accent. You know, it's funny. It's, uh, I, I tell people, oh, this accent is, you know, it's North Maryland, South New Jersey accent. <laughs> <laughs> they ask me, but uh, yeah, I have this mixed, uh, mixed culture and mixed um, accent going on. But uh, yeah, I got back to the U.S. when I was 23 to go to UCLA um, and stayed, stayed here. Obviously, I'm married now and, and uh, started the company. Uh, my parents live in Israel. I used to see them at least three or four times a year because of um, I travel a lot to uh, productions and film festivals. So I would always go there. This is uh, the longest time that I haven't been home uh, in a while. So that's tough. In terms of productions, productions are coming back now. They have a lot of restrictions um, in terms of how they work. They have a COVID officer on set, um, obviously a lot of insurance. Um for me, uh, I was lucky because we finished shooting Dolphin Island right before COVID. So I was busy anyway finishing it and now uh, busy releasing the movie. Um, hopefully by April, May, everything is going to be open so we can go out and make a second one. Uh, we're currently developing the script, which we can do from home. Uh, so I feel very lucky and fortunate that COVID in terms of work didn't affect uh, me so much. Of course, it affected a lot of other people. It affected people of the Bahamas really harsh because uh, if you remember, the cruises was the first thing shutting down because they're basically a box of people infecting one each other. Um, and a lot of their economy is based on the cruises coming from uh, Florida. And um, the second thing is our in our industry, everybody that's been working on set, if it's... Um, camera people, uh, production assistants, production design, Woodrow. I mean, um, if you ever look at a film and look at the credits, you see how many people involved and all these people basically came to a halt. Um, and then also people working in theaters. Uh, so it's not only the actors, it's of course lighting people, people working on, on the sets, uh, people working in the theaters. And because a lot of them supplementing their income from work in restaurants, uh, and the service, uh, food service industry, uh, they were hit twice. So they, they saw their job disappearing both on, on set and offset. So um, our industry was hurt very, very hard. Um, if you check economic data, they're talking about how the unemployment um, is getting back, uh, back and back to the way it was before COVID. But when you look at people working in entertainment and recreation, we're still talking about close to 50% unemployment. So uh, our industry was hit very hard, but it's looking better again. And and productions are starting, uh, obviously not yet concerts and, and theaters. There is a lot of demand for content because everybody were home watching TV and watching uh, movies at home, uh, as opposed to going to restaurants or parks and doing everything else. So there is a lot of pent up demand that hopefully is going to help recovery in that sector. But uh, we obviously doing whatever we can to keep people employed. Um, and we're looking forward um, to this year and to the rest of the year to 
be working more and more. I definitely think that there is a lot of pent up demand for, you know, not only entertainment in the theaters, uh, when people are able to get back out into, uh, you know, safely view those things. Uh, I think there's a lot of pent up demand for travel, uh, all different types of entertainment because people have been, you know, staying at home for so long. And uh, so the more the vaccinations come out, the more people feel comfortable. I do think that there's going to be a, a strong surge in a lot of those things. You know, one statistic I saw the other day was the the number of subscribers that Disney Plus has had in, you know, I think it's 18 months. They got to, I think it was 100 million subscribers and their goal was like 60 million. So in a relatively short period of time, thanks to COVID, people stayed home and they, you know, started watching stuff online. But I, I do think that people, there is a strong desire for them to get back out and you know, to me, there's a huge difference between watching a film in a theater and watching it, you know, at my house. So I like both, but but I prefer the ability to go and watch it on a big screen and you know have some popcorn and and have the the full effect of of that entertainment. But let me ask you this: What stirs that passion that's inside of you that that led you to get into this industry to begin with? Funny enough, a lot of people in Los Angeles they come here to be a director or be actors. And they have that side of them that's really passionate. For me, it's, I'm excited about creating jobs. And part of the reason why I'm excited about this business and storytelling in particular and what we do is that think about it. Like we can sit here on a podcast on, and just come up with an idea, right? Like how about somebody stealing Mitzi and whatever coming up with a story. In the next few months, we hire executives and, and writers to, to develop it. Then we go on set. There's maybe 50 people working on set. Then we're going back to the post-production and editing and we need to do music. And then there is another maybe 50 people working on it. Then it goes out to the world. It gets sold and distributed in every country. So there's people in France translating into French. There's people in Germany translating to, to German. Then there is people in PR, people like yourself working in magazines, podcasts, uh, radio, uh, publicized. So think about how how many paychecks and how many food on people's tables we we basically put in a span of 18 months just by coming up with an idea. It's like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if we make a movie about this or that. So for me, it's really exciting to see the the refill effect that, that films can cause. It's almost like throwing a, a rock into a into a quiet pond and you see the the, the ring of people that get involved in a project just increase and increase. So that's, that was really always uh, a big part of, of my passion, which is also explained why going to places like the Bahama and shoot. Um, it's really, it's my passion is creating job and creating value for people. Um, and I believe that, you know, if we all try to create more value in the world, it's, it's going to help everyone. Uh, there is enough people that are in the business of taking value off uh, for themselves and, I think we all can benefit from from increasing value. So you like capitalism, basically. <laughs> it's uh, it is. I guess it is. It is capitalism. I think capitalism always. I mean, if you want to talk economics, we can you know we can talk about that all day. Um, capitalism is is both about growth, uh, but also about the rules of supply and demand. And uh, you know, if if there are ways that there are zero sum game, you know, if you uh, uh, not to go into really complicated things, but right. But if you buy options or, or things like that, it's every dollar you make, somebody else lost that dollar. Right. So you're not really creating value, you're just shifting it from one person's pocket to another. 
but if you focus on growth, um, everybody's winning. And and yeah, you can take some for yourself, and and we all need to make a living. But uh, so I guess yeah, it's a it's a part of capitalism. Well, again, at the end of the day, the the more profit that there is, the more jobs that can create, and the more ability there is for somebody to have dollars to give back to the Bahamas or any other organization that that they see fit with those dollars with the right heart. So I think that the capitalism is a it's a a tool that can lift everybody in a situation if done correctly. Now, obviously, greed can you know ruin the benefits of capitalism for everybody else. But capitalism with the right heart is is a great system to benefit all of the the people involved. Yeah, it is funny because um, I think Adam Smith was talking about greed and how greed is good, right? Because you you want people to want to do better. They want people to make more money for the next year and have you know better life for themselves, better life for their kids. The problem is when you mix greed with unethical behavior, right? But people to improve their life and improve the life of their kids, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, when you work on films, um, I know if a lot of people know it, but it's um, a lot of the cast and crew, um, or really in, in our case, every single one of them, they have a piece of the pie. So uh, when the movie's making money, it's split between everyone according to how many days they worked um, on the film from the overall days of work. So um, if you're the main lead, obviously you're there for many days, or if you uh, are the director, if you're just a day player that came for two days because you have a minor role, you know, their their piece is smaller, but the way it works is that the, the more the movie makes, the more everybody um, have split of it. So it's it's a part of it, yeah. And and I think of what we're talking about, like during COVID, how companies like Netflix and, and Disney gain a lot of subscribers. Um, it is also a part of capitalism that is a bit hard because um, a lot of time the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. So um, if, if, you know, there's anything to, to take from this conversation, I hope that, that your fans and audience can maybe think about uh, maybe watching some independent movies, you know, maybe uh, picking up a film on, on iTunes or, or seeing in the theater a movie that is not necessarily just a big Avengers movie or one of the big ones, but also supporting the small ones. And another way to support is just to go on the platforms and rate the movie. You know, every time you, you if you watch a movie on Amazon or, or on iTunes and, and you give it five stars and you write a review, that really helps because the system that works automatically indexed the movies higher so it's recommended to other people so um and it's very sophisticated so on amazon they basically know that if you're a father for a few kids if you like something it will recommend it to other fathers uh that they have data from whatever your consumption um behaviors on the platform so people don't know it but rating and reviewing movies on platforms really really help and also talking about it and tweeting about it putting it on facebook um, it really makes a difference for independent films and the people that work on them that usually don't get massive salaries like um, like when you're watching a studio film. Good to know. So everybody can do something to, to help out the, the smaller movie makers. And, and I, I do think that that's important because, you know, I think that, that smaller business owners have been more negatively affected in this whole COVID situation than the bigger businesses. And when you look at, you know, some of the, the larger entities, they had the ability to lobby more. They had the ability to push for, you know, their businesses being open while 
smaller mom and pop stuff got closed down. And, you know, I, I think that it's going to take longer for some of those people that, that didn't have access early on to, you know, recover than uh, the people that, that were able to, to navigate those challenges a little bit differently. So uh, that's definitely good to know. And, and I like to try and support. Uh, I like the underdog. So I, I like to support, you know, the, the folks that, that maybe aren't getting as much support. So that's that's definitely a good thing to know. So what would you say to somebody who is an aspiring writer, director, producer? What advice would you give them in party? You know, it's funny. I always get this question. <laughs> uh, I think the most important thing is to go out and get life experience because um, whatever you are, producer, writer, director, or, or actor, uh, you're in the storytelling business and you need to gather experiences to know how to convey and to have something to talk about. And if you, an 18-year-old, and just go to film school and then move to Hollywood and set yourself in a coffee shop and start writing, you really don't have a lot of materials to draw from. And a lot of what we see in scripts we get or ideas, it's basically mishmash of other things. Uh, the day stop because most of the experience is just from watching other people's TV shows and movies. So sometimes you read a script and you go like, okay, this scene is from Die Hard and this scene is from Terminator and this scene is from this, uh, as opposed to go out there and get experience. And I think when you look at a lot of the movies that we love and you dig into the history of it, you find that they're based on a novel and the novel was written by a journalist that was writing about whatever the story is, you know, if it's a food journalist and wrote about food for 20 years and then wrote a book and then it became a movie and, and you can see the level of details and the level of passion that just convey from the story uh, as opposed to just write something because you thought of a good concept. So uh, that I think would be my, my number one advice to go out there, get experience, don't necessarily study film, uh, you know, studying things like anthropology or journalism or anything else uh, can give you a lot of tools uh, that you can pick up later on the filmmaking side, especially if, you, if you're writing. And also look at a lot of other people's work. You know, if you're a writer, read a lot of script, screenplays, you know, and, and pick up a screenplay of your favorite movie and see how it was translated from the script to the final product, because uh, you can learn a lot of interesting things just from doing that. It's good advice. Well, Shaquette, I've definitely enjoyed having you on today, and I know that our listeners will have enjoyed it as well. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Really appreciate it and uh, really appreciate supporting Dolphin Island. It's available right now on VOD, basically on all major platforms, if it's on DirecTV or Spectrum or iTunes or Amazon. Uh, so hopefully people would enjoy it. And, and we have our contact information on our website, which is dolphinislandmovie.com. So happy to always happy to hear from fans and hear feedback and, uh, and uh, enjoy the film. Excellent. Well, please go and check out that site and, and watch the film and let Shaked know what you think. And then also, if you've enjoyed this episode, please like and share. And you can follow us Living Life on Purpose on Facebook and then Living Life on Purpose always on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you in two weeks. Bye.